Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 51 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. Hey man, how are you? I'm okay Mitch, how are you? I am good for date stamp purposes, we're recording this on a Saturday afternoon. Yep, it's a lovely sunny day in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you been watching anything this week? Short answer, no. Alright. I've been busy with other stuff. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. I haven't watched much at home this week because my internet is knackered, but I have been at the cinema twice. Yes, indeed, and some uh, interesting things. Yeah, um, so on Monday I was at a preview screening of Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile. Ah, yeah, the Ted Bundy film with Zac Efron... Yeah. Uh, directed by Joe Berlinger. Yes, well. uh, SVPC veteran. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Joe Berlinger, uh, of course, previously directed uh, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. Correct, yeah. Which you may remember from episode 6 of this show. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, this is kind of a, just the story of um, the story of Ted Bundy from the perspective of his partner. Yeah, yeah, his uh, girlfriend at the time. Yes, yeah. played here by Lily Collins. Six days have now passed since I've seen this film, and I still don't know if I think it's any good. Right, because this, this got a simultaneous cinema and Sky cinema release. If, am I right in thinking that? I don't think that it's really getting a proper theatrical. Right, okay. Um, it's a Sky cinema film, and the basically the way that we saw it was through a kind of Sky rewards thing. Okay. Um, right, okay. I don't think that it's generally theatrically available, although I could be wrong. And it's Netflix in the US, I believe. Right. Yeah, Zac Efron is good here. Okay. I think he's, he's, he's doing good work. And I think that um, uh, the kind of social media backlash about this when the trailer arrived about them kind of over-sexualizing him and stuff like that, I don't think that that holds any water at all. Right. Um, I think that it gets that about right. And um, I think that what is interesting is that he is obviously very charismatic in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were times where there was kind of pockets of giggling in the theater when he said or did funny or charismatic things. And I thought that's kind of strange. It's kind of creepy because basically the film is doing to the audience what he did to people. And I think that the film should do that. I think that there's no other way to tell that story well. So I think that he was really good and I think that his performance does what it needs to. I think that he gets both the sinister and the charismatic stuff right. Okay. So in that respect, it's pretty much spot on. I would say that it is a little bit of a leap to say that this is entirely told from the perspective of Lily Collins' character. <laughs> um, I think I think that it tries to do that, but I also think that there is a long stretch in the middle where it basically jacks that in. <laughs> okay. So I think right. that I think that it's fair enough to commend that idea, but I think that the execution is a little bit kind of haphazard and a little bit non-committal. I think that it sometimes kind of just almost turns away from that completely. Okay. Performance-wise, every, everybody is doing pretty good work here. I think. Um, yeah, there's no real weak links. What I would say is as well that and this kind of goes back to the perspective question. But I think that Lily Collins is not given enough to do here. Despite I've, it essentially being a story that's supposed to be told from her perspective. Yes, I think that she is kind of <laughs> largely reduced to kind of a stock character in it, which is a shame, because she's really good here. She is. So yeah, it, get, it does get it does get things right, but I think that 
it's kind of a missed opportunity with what they were trying to do. Right, I see. But I see. It's, yeah. it's my understanding is that it's available now. It's uh, it so, definitely is. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, get in amongst it. Let us know what you think yeah. of it. But I mean, it's not. It's very much. I think it's important to say that this isn't really the Ted Bundy story. So if you're expecting a bloodbath, you're not going to get that. No, it's very restrained in that way. Very yeah. restrained. But yeah. I, I think there's next to no blood in it. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, in new release news, I went to the cinema yesterday afternoon, was off work, and caught The Curse of La Llorona. Ah, yeah, right, okay. I uh, did happen to see a tweet that you posted from your personal account, at Watchfires Mitch. Uh, <laughs> just a little kind of summary of events Yeah, um, The Curse of La, La Llorona. Uh, I, did, I, I tried to keep that non-spoilery, um, but yes, uh, so this is, a, this is a Conjuring Universe film. So what exactly is James Wan's involvement here? Is he just producing? He is one of three producers on this. Yeah. Right, okay. Um, it's directed by uh, Michael Chavez, who is also directing The Conjuring 3. Oh, right, okay. And um, Is this him cutting his teeth then in the Wanniverse? Yeah, it seems that way. <laughs> and I mean, this is a Wanniverse film in the absolute loosest sense of the word. There's a recurring character from Annabelle, and genuinely the connection is um, that at one point, effectively, he's like, this reminds me of a previous incident I had with a spooky doll. <laughs> and that's literally about the height of it. So what I will say about The Curse of La Llorona is that it is better than The Nun. Oh, right. <laughs> so it's not the worst instalment. <laughs> High praise indeed. Performance-wise, people are doing mostly good work here as well. Linda Cardellini, isn't it? Oh, she's, right, okay. She's yeah. kind of the protagonist. La Llorona herself, the kind of demon of the piece, there's no two ways about it, looks quite a bit like The Nun. <laughs> Right, okay. <laughs> which which uh, just kind of kind of irked me. Also, you see way too much of her way too early. Right. Uh, the jump scares are ineffective without exception. Um, and there are also a stifling quantity of them. Um, there is an unbelievable amount of, she's behind you. Oh, wait, no, she's near. Ah, yes, she is. Stop. Um <laughs> It's a, it's maddening in a lot of in a lot of ways. Um, I can kind of came away from it feeling kind of forgiving, and it's infuriated me more and more in the time that I've had to think about it. Uh, I think it's yeah, no, it's it's I think it's pretty poor, but also like I shouldn't have bothered with this, and that's not to say that other people shouldn't. Right. I have seen enough Waniverse films to know that outside of the Conjuring, these aren't really for me. Like, because I thought that the Nun was awful, <laughs> and I've really hated Annabelle. Um, I haven't seen Annabelle Creation, but I'm a, my understanding what the is, is that it's marginally better it's, or significantly better. It's considerably even. better, yeah. So I should maybe check that out. Um, but yeah, basically, this plays into a kind of studio horror that I am realizing doesn't really do it for me. So I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, Animal Homecoming's out next month, and I'll turn up for that as well. But um, but this is something that's starting to feel a little bit old hat to me. Right. Sure. And uh, I think that uh, The Curse of La Llorona, while not being the worst iteration of that, is certainly the one where I was like, you know what? No, enough. <laughs> That's absolutely fine, Mitch. This has been my favourite mini-review of yours. I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the I exasperation is crystal clear. <laughs> what I will say is, in the kind of like uh, in the third act, where you've kind of got the uh, standoff, right, uh, or the kind of final face-off, they do some really interesting things there. There's a couple of uh, kind of interesting spins on that that I think are pretty effective. The, sure. pr- the problem is that um, the stakes feel so incredibly low at that point that it doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, but like, but I think that for, like technically, I think the way it looks is pretty good. Um, I, I think that uh, Michael Chavez 
feels like a good director and somebody who can do good stuff with better material. Right. But this, I, this falls really flat for me. I thought it was, that was. Um, I'm just, I'm a bit fed up of films like these. <laughs> That's I'm, absolutely fine, Mitch. I've been fed up of films like these for a long time. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm yeah. right there with you on that one. What I would like to do between now and next week is watch something that I actually like. Yeah, you've been very negative lately. I mean, as the sunshine comes out in Glasgow, certainly the sunshine within you has dimmed. Yeah, <laughs> It's reasonable. Oh, yeah, I've chosen. I've had bad luck. I've chosen quite poorly. Um, over <laughs> that's the last... why I just don't watch anything anymore. Like, I, oh, I refuse to be disappointed. <laughs> um, but uh, so yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna try and um, I'm gonna just pick a couple. Of, I'm gonna think really carefully about what I watch next because I'm fed up of watching things that I don't enjoy. However, did watch something that I liked this week. Ah. And uh, you stepped up because, like I say, I am I'm kind of limited in what I can watch at the moment. So just before we did this, we watched uh, Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. Oh, did we ever? Yes. Uh, <laughs> this is excellent. <laughs> it is quite simply fantastic. Yes, there. Uh, I was kind of en- I was enjoying the setup. I was liking where it was going, and then someone punched all the way through someone's head. And at that point, <laughs> I was like, "Yep." Here we go. <laughs> yeah, certainly a weather change in the tone. <laughs> yeah, it marks a, um, a, a very abrupt and very uh, significant uh, change in gears. <laughs> um, I think that uh, mid-90s horror is a total curiosity because it had been quite a while since there had been any kind of um, big movement or kind of no- nothing had been revived, pre-scream, you know? Right, yeah. I kind of feel like... Um, and that would, that would encompass... Demon Knight. Yeah, exactly. It was 95, I think. And I think that f- the stuff from around that era is really interesting to me because people were just making things that were kind of crazy. <laughs> and uh, and the period wasn't defined by anything that was particularly trendy as far as I can tell. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's really interesting. I think that it's probably, uh, it's maybe an era that I need to look a little bit more at because I keep coming across things that I at least think are curiosities and at best think are great. <laughs> sure. Um, so yeah, I need to sp- and maybe that's what I'll do this week. I'll maybe weed out a couple from that kind of era. So pre-Scream 90s horror, actually. I'm going to open the floor up. I would like some recommendations. Yeah, if anyone has any ideas out there for uh, films that Mitch should watch to broaden his horizons, then uh, fire them across to us. I think Billy Zane in Demon Knight is doing incredible work. Uh, yes, I uh, blow a little hot and cold in what I make of him in general, um, and I think that in this he's great. He's absolutely brilliant. He's having the time of his life, it seems. That is evident. I agree. Yes, yeah. I think that I think that it's, he's um, identifiably having a great time, which I think uh, makes performances really easy to get swept up in. Yeah, and he's given good stuff to work with as well. Isn't it? Like, I think uh, he's given a fun character and presumably a fun script, and he's taken it and ran with it, and it is a really, really, really fun performance for Billy Zane in it. Yeah, he just he just seems to get it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like the cast, it's a really good cast. The cast amazing actually. Yeah. Like when when I cause it's been a while since I watched it, and then as the credits were rolling at the start, I was like, "Fucking hell, man!" Like there's loads of really cool people in this. Obviously, yeah. Jada Pinkett's in it. Or Jada Pinkett Smith, sorry to use her married name. Mm-hmm. Uh, William Sadler's in there, uh, CCH Pounder's in there, Thomas Hayden <laughs> Church is in there, Dick Miller's in there. CCH Pounder is awesome in this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a fucking excellent film. It is, it's great. It's one of the better ones that I've seen uh, recently yeah. from, from the Shortwaves list. And just in general, because I've been watching a lot of shite recently, as I've just been discussing. <laughs> and I know they did a, a follow-up to it, uh, Bordello of Blood. Okay. Um, but I would have liked to have seen them continue doing these Tales from the Crypt standalone films. Yeah, it seems like a really cool idea. Yeah, and I know it, there's a new series coming out, mm-hmm. but I would like to see 
even now, would like to see new films being produced under the Tales from the Crypt banner. Definitely. Kind of like what they almost did and then stopped doing with uh, Season of the Witch. Yeah, Stuff exactly. Like that. Yeah. Exactly that. Uh, so yeah, um, an absolute an absolute victory in the in the shortwave stuff this week. Um, <laughs> I'm extremely glad. Yeah, no, extremely de- glad that you enjoyed it. Yeah, Demon Knight's a riot. So next up, what have they been saying? It is feedback time, and big thank you to everybody that's been getting in touch this week, and also a big thank you to Mister Jonathan Barkan of yep. Dread Sentinel joining us uh, this past week to talk Lord of Illusions. Yes, thank you very much, Jonathan. An incredibly insightful and enlightening conversation. And according to uh, Tony Constantinou, this comfortably one of your best episodes and breezed by despite being a whopping 90 minutes. I like the theatrical cut of the film, but the director's cut sounds so much better. Jonathan Barkan was excellent. Get that man back again. We absolutely will. In fact, Jonathan himself had expressed an interest in doing that very thing. Yeah, so watch the space. (laughs) He may very well reappear in the future. Um, I have a couple of things on Lord of Illusions. Uh, You got anything? A couple of things. Uh, Yeah, Chris Salt at Oblong Pictures getting in touch on Twitter (laughs) Uh to say Clive Barker is an unsung master of subtle imagery. Ah, this is the one we talked about this in the episode, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think you know what one this is. Clive Barker is an unsung master of subtle imagery. Damore. Who's that? Valentin. Swan's wife. Lawn sprinkler gushes a jet of water into the stratosphere. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a spunk sprinkler joke. That is very much yeah. what that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, Saltar Popcorn or old pal getting in touch on Twitter. Another week, another great strong violent PC. Thanks. Oh, yeah, thanks. I always dug Lord of Illusions as an interesting failure, but that director's cut chat has me yearning for someone to do a shiny disc justice here soon. Uh, and I did reach out and say, you know, there is a a director's cut disc available on the double disc from 101 Films. Ah. And I had PM'd, or DM'd, whatever whatever the nomenclature is on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I had messaged Saltire Popcorn with a link to it on Amazon. Oh, cool. And no sooner had I sent it than he had already messaged us on Twitter to tell us that he'd just bought it on Amazon. Good lads, good lads. So, uh, yeah, that's... that's um, and if I recall correctly, judging from his dispatch date, it may very well be there by now. It could be in his possession. <laughs> by the time this airs, I would say it'll be there. <laughs> also, um, Graham Resnick got in touch. Uh, hello, Graham. Uh, who you uh, may know from uh, his episode of this show. I think it was episode 35-ish, Portrait yeah, 3. most crucially, our <laughs> episode, uh, never mind the fact that he's worked on pretty much all the Ty West films uh, and has his own show on Shudder. Yes, Dead Wax. Get that <laughs> watched as well um, but he just got in touch when we announced it and just said very stoked for this and to rewatch it yeah um, so hopefully uh, both of those things worked out just fine <laughs> anyway. yeah get back to us let us know yeah oh. big thanks for getting in touch Graham uh, you got anything else on Lord of Legends I do the shakes at the shakes 72 getting in touch to say strong violent PC doing Lord of Illusions my favourite mess of a movie <laughs> excellent gents and then just a comment that simply says Scott Bakula's back tattoo Oh yeah, mm-hmm. or that could be a signature. Perhaps it's come from Scott Bakula's back tattoo. Mm, okay, yeah, yeah, unknown at present. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, judging from that message, it might be the case then that the Shakes has watched the theatrical cut uh, quite of Lord of Illusions. Yes, that is that's particularly if the the much vaunted director's cut tends to keep things a little more linear. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Um, I uh, that's all I've got on Lord of Illusions, right? Uh, but I do have something on uh, Queen of the Damned. Ah. Uh, Joe Keogh's episode from a few weeks back Chris Salt Oblong Pictures on Twitter again Jesus he's getting a lot of airtime in this episode uh, yeah he's a he's a wise man though um, <laughs> so catching up on the backlog with Queen of the Damned thanks for that you're welcome remember when Bowie got inspired by the Pixies and went and formed Tin Machine imagine what a new metal band fronted by a guy who grew up listening to chamber music would actually sound like not that the lack of musical verisimilitude is the worst of that film's crimes 
Jesus. Wow, verisimilitude. I think that might be the first time that one's cropped up on here. It's a great word. Um, he also just ends with a quote, You're bold, like your music. My arse. <laughs> uh, I've got something on Suspiria. Oh, okay. So yeah, you um, you were talking about how you were kind of a little bit cold on Suspiria 2018 when you caught up with it last week. Yeah, and I'm certainly not alone in that. No, nope, not at all. But I think what I may be alone in is that there was something about Tilda Swinton's performance that was annoying me. It was rubbing me up the wrong way. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and I said that I didn't particularly like her in it. Mm-hmm. Just something about her. And I, don't get me wrong, I think Tilda Swinton's amazing. Uh-huh. But something about what she was doing here was doing my nothing. And I couldn't quite place it. But fellow podcaster Lee Nostromo got in touch on oh, nice. Twitter to cool. say, I fell down the middle when I first watched this on an IMAX screen at 8.30am, but on a repeat viewing it clicked for me a lot more and made peace with the unnecessarily long time spent with the old man. I'm quite looking forward to rewatching this, for that reason. Right, yeah. Yeah, I think I said that at the yeah. time, I'm kind of trying to figure out, because I, 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 I don't think it's too long, but I think it's certainly it's certainly long. I think it's baggy. I really um, do think it's baggy. But um, I, I did reach back out to Lee and say that I also watched it at half past, or I started certainly watching it at half past seven in the morning. Mm, okay. So uh, I battered my way through to ten o'clock. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> well. it's... It's two and a half hours long. Um, <laughs> I saw it at the Everyman Cinema on Halloween in Glasgow. Yeah, when I mean, you could have been hanging out with me on my birthday. <laughs> God, I'm opening old wounds. <laughs> um, I have a general comment um, from Tony Constantinou uh, right? discussing the name of last week's episode, or minisode. Uh, he just said, yes, a minisode named after one of my dog shit characters. I can expel from life happy now. Of course, uh, minisode 50 was named Lionel Destination. <laughs> After the uh, protagonist in Tony's pitch last I've week. got to be honest, Tony's come up with some great character names and I have been most tickled by Lionel Destination. Uh, um, it's a very good one. And his pet monkey, Ian. Yeah, I just thought it was hilarious and there was no choice more suitable. Yes, as for the t- for the title. The only thing that was coming close for me actually when I was putting it all together was Reese's Pieces. Ah uh, yes, from our winning pitch that week. Yeah. Uh, Lauren yeah, McIntyre. Yeah. Uh, that's my lot. I've got something else. Okay. Ice Cream Man. Oh yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. You may remember Ice Cream Man from a couple of weeks ago when we had Life Changer director Justin McConnell on. Yep, episode 49. Yeah, but we had Andrew Marshall at Semi Pro Geek tweeting Hello. us to say, It's an odd but welcoming feeling when you're catching up on a backlog of podcasts and two of your favourites, at Raiders of the Pod, no stranger to this show themselves. No, absolutely not. And Strong Violent PC both happen to discuss Ice Cream Man, which is also one of your favourite pieces of histrionically magnificent horror trash. <laughs> um, it's a really interesting film. I haven't listened to the Raiders of the Podcast episode, but I think I might do that. Yeah, I'm going to do that too. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Uh, see, if, see, see if they've got any takes that we didn't have. <laughs> I mean, that dig quite deep. Uh, I suppose we did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, my feedback... Has run dry. As is mine, which leaves only one thing. Go on. And I have just taken a sip of water to wet my whistle going into... It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. <gasps> Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to <laughs> exploit my that. ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. Uh, the picture will be of a horror film poster from years gone by. He mm-hmm. will photoshopped out a title and a tagline. Uh, any identifying text, he'll only leave the image. We'll put that on all of our social media so you can play along at home. But for now... I will be tasked with giving that film a title and a synopsis, while also giving as detailed a description of the image as I can. So, last week's film was uh, Lucio Fulci's Enigma. Correct. uh, Correctly identified by Darren Gaskell, and uh, reappropriated by me as The Curse of Snake Fist 2, The Clonting of Leonora Wilkes. (laughs) Clonting. I know, I'm sorry. (laughs) You're a fucking clonter. 
Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so, uh, people getting out in force. Uh, oh, really? To, uh, to uh, give us some pitches this week. A Kev- busy old week? Yeah, very much so. Kevin Matthews first. Cool. Uh, by the way, also, if you're not familiar with how this works, I understand that this must sound insane, but if you head to our Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, uh, the image for Enigma is there. Mm-hmm. And uh, some pitches, then. Kevin Matthews. Desperate to bag himself as sexy girlfriend, sad sack middle-aged businessman Nigel Winterburn heads along to a dating agency that offers him a magic love potion. <laughs> he has to find the woman he loves, drinks the potion, and then solidly mark the territory around her home to complete the spell. Yes, it's a risk to his reputation in work and society, but Nigel starts to seek out his ideal woman, ready to drink his drink and defecate in her garden, Christ. in the wacky horror comedy that signaled the end, <laughs> the signal the death knell for Tigon Productions. A bird in the hand is worth a poo in the bush. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. The minute that he, um, uh, that Kevin posted this, I commented and asked him if it was the same Nigel Winterburn that used to be a defender for Arsenal in the 90s, and he said it was a coincidence and he doesn't watch football. <laughs> Fascinating. We peeked behind the curtain there. Thanks for, for that, Mitch. That, <laughs> that was exciting. and uh, went nowhere. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, Danny Naylor on Instagram. Now, obviously, we had to censor the image. Um, oh, yeah, because uh, Instagram has a rather strict policy on nipples. Yes, so, um, Ken Adawi, Danny Naylor, 1981's The Finger-Haired Witch with Pixel Tits. Pretty sure I'm dead on the money with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, see what you see. Yeah, absolutely. Mark the Davies, also on Instagram. In a world where nail files are king, she is the manicurist's nightmare. <laughs> Coming to a beauty salon near you, it's Spider-Hand, Talon, Disembody, Head Girl. <laughs> Don't let her take your pulse. <laughs> a lot of people are very much doing the see what you see. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, very visual learners. Uh, James Plum at Mad Science Films playing that game, 1985's Bad Hair Day. Right. Uh, on Twitter, Hanny underscore Ray, rinse and retreat. <laughs> a new shampoo formula accidentally raises the dead and they're hungry for flesh. Like that a lot. Andy McEwen, in 1963, Bernadette Lovecraft is tried and convicted of witchcraft by the townsfolk in Neverdale. She admits under torture of being a witch and swears revenge on the town with her last words. Fast forward to upstate New York in 1982, Jenny is suspended from school after her teacher finds books on the occult. She moves in with her estranged father, who is a deputy in the small town of Neverdale. Right. Mm, yeah. See? Yeah. Shortly after, he's gunned down while off duty in a local shop. Oh, man. Uh, Jenny searches through her occult books and finds a spell to resurrect the spirits of the dead. She unknowingly raises Bernadette, who needs a new young body to live in. She chooses Jenny. Can Jenny survive? Will the township stop Bernadette once again in the hit 1980 film Witches Get Stitches? <laughs> and uh, Tony Constantinou, fighting stiff competition from the local barber's pole. So I, think we're the, I think we're in the same universe. Is this still the Minceverse? Just the extended Minceverse? Uh, it's certainly a, it's another cinematic universe, minimum. Right. Because uh, I think we're in the same universe as Barbara Ian, Apex Predator, from last week. <laughs> um, fighting stiff competition from the local barber's pole, struggling hairstylist Donna Dresser finds herself desperately needing funds to save her fledgling business, Gonna Cut Ye, from going in there. <laughs> and reluctantly accepts a job working part-time at the Carnoustie Retirement Castle for CNL Spinsters until she can get back on her feet. As months go by, with no end to her money troubles in sight, she finds herself getting to know the home's residents, amongst them terminally ill octogenarian gypsy buckets. (laughs) (laughs) Things, however, take a sinister turn when Donna learns that the dying woman has no living relatives and sees an unexpected opportunity to con her way into Gypsy's will. Oh, fuck. But Mrs. Buckets has a terrible secret, and Donna is about to inherit more than just her life savings in 1994's Airdresser, the Fresh Prince of Hell Hair. (laughs) When the beds run brown, the halls will run red, for the evil lives on, though Gypsy lies dead. Now Donna must lift the curse from her curls, or it's hell to pay for these old final girls. (laughs) 
Wow. That concludes uh, that concludes the listener pitches for this week. Hannah Ray. Hannah Ray. Rinse and Rinse retreat. And retreat. Title Excellent. alone. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Big, uh, big congratulations, Hannah. You win nothing. And uh, yeah, um, just a quick mention. Uh, Dr. Lauren McIntyre posted a photo to her Twitter this week. Uh, of her prize arriving on her work desk. Yeah, which was excellent. Appreciated that. Yeah, so uh, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, yeah, yeah. Keep your pitches coming because we've got plenty more to give away. Yeah. <laughs> plenty more nothings to give away. Yep, yep. More nothing you can carry. <laughs> we've got a whole box of fuck all sat <laughs> right here. Nothing, far as the eye can see. <laughs> okay, so I guess it's time once again then. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready? Uh, oh, yeah, as I'll ever be. So the image is inbound now. Okay. Oh, hang on. Getting something here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, right. It's quite a simple one again. Uh, yeah, I suppose it is. So the background oh, is... Getting... <laughs> background. The background <laughs> is about a 50-50 split, horizontally. Right. Uh, white on top, black on the bottom. We have what appears to be a woman. She is falling backwards into what appears to be like kind of like a vat of acid or something, because she is uh, mostly dissolved, or certainly like her head is, right? Because uh, it's just a skeleton and um, kind of collarbone, mm-hmm. and uh, it looks like the rest of her is not far behind, right? Uh, so she is submerged in the acid for like most of her torso, most of her left and right arm. Uh, her legs are sticking out and are still regular human style. Regular human style. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so basically what we have here is a woman who is uh, appears to be getting dissolved in a vat of acid. Well, and for the second week in a row, I'm just noticing now I'm going to have to potentially pixelate this image. Mm, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay, I think that's everything, so I will, as always, need a moment. Okay. Furiously typing notes into your phone there, Mitch, I see. Mm, yeah. This one's pretty elaborate. I feel like I should have slowed this theme down because the sunshine's lost for me a little bit. Just take it down like kind of two percent or something. I'm making a apocalyptic <laughs> version of it. Right. Okay. Okay. Right. <laughs> Lay it on me. Fresh from graduating from nursing school, oh. Martina Fellows is thrilled when she lands a job at Faith's End Hospital in the maternity ward. Sorry, what was the name of the hospital? Faith's End Hospital. Faith's End, yeah. right, sure. <laughs> However, something's not quite right. New mothers keep disappearing from the ward without a trace, and as Martina investigates, she discovers that the town and its citizens are in peril, as women across the area are doomed to give birth to demon children following a curse being placed on the town by a witch banished a pre- hundred years previously. <laughs> With the only way to contain the threat being the instant dissolving of both parents in a vat of acid, Martina faces a race against time to lift the curse. For you see, she's pregnant too. All this and more in 1980's Burn After Breeding. Jesus Christ. Yeah, the title came first, then I wrote the plot around it. Uh, problematic, I would say, this, this film. Uh, it's not that. Okay. It's uh, Scream and Scream Again from 1970. Okay, tell me more. Notable for starring Vincent Price. Okay. Christopher Lee. Oh, wow. And Peter Cushing. Mmm, okay. Yeah, Yeah. would you like to know the synopsis? Why, yes, I would. Well, it's interesting because uh, the synopsis uh, under Scream and Scream Again has been provided by synopsis regular Claudio Carvalho. Oh, excellent. Cool, okay. (laughs) This guy just sitting like... He does a lot of he does a lot of synopses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apologies in advance. This is verbatim, so any uh, language issues are not me. 
In London, a serial killer drains the blood of females and the detective superintendent Belliver and his team are hunting down the so-called vampire killer. Meanwhile, in an undefined country that lives a military dictatorship, the cruel Conrats is climbing positions, killing the powers that be. When the vampire killer flees from the police, he seeks refuge at the real estate of scientist Dr. Browning and jumps into a tank of acid. Dr. David Sorrell is intrigued with the powerful acid and decides to get a sample. He finds the truth about the research of Dr. Browning. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Scream and scream again. Any good? Meh. Okay. Fair news. <laughs> that image is everywhere now, of course. Yes, Facebook, yes. Twitter, Instagram, it's there. Go seek it out and get pitching, my friends. We will yeah. be taking a look at this again next week. And yeah, we, we, we love to read them, so please, please send them on. Now, uh, before we take a look at uh, what everyone needs to know for this week's show. Right. A couple of things. Something kind of horror newsy. Right. We do sometimes do this. Um, it was announced this week that we will be getting a third installment in the Collector series. Oh, yeah. I can't, uh, uh, I can't wait for that. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, very little seems to be known about it right now. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, like, uh, but it's been announced and uh, it looks like it's going to be the same writing, directing team. Certainly does. Uh, also, I noticed that Josh Stewart had shared it. Uh, he's in both films, so mm-hmm. I'm imagining there may be a return... For him. Josh Stewart in this as well. Yeah, you would imagine so. As yeah, Arkin. But um, it's a good series. Yeah, it's a really good series. It's one of those just mad inventive bloodbaths. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I, I can't get enough of it. Yeah, no, it's it's. I know they're great. I'm, Although um, I could do without this. the pretty disgusting death of the cat in the first one. <laughs> yeah, oh, Jesus. That's yeah, that's pretty horrible. Heavy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Collector Three is on the way. Yeah, very I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I thought you were going to talk about how horrible and horrifying Sonic the Hedgehog's mouth is. Oh, can we not? <laughs> Moving swiftly on then, uh, I have done this again. Um, things that are coming to streaming platforms in the UK. Ah, um, yeah, this yeah, week. of course. Uh, so Slim Pickens and Amazon Prime for a new horror right. this week. Anything? Uh, no, not really. Right, that I okay. can see. Um, however, Shudder has got your backs. May the 6th, um, The Transfiguration. Great film. That's cracking, really film. cracking film. Kind of uh, reminds me a little bit of Let the Right One In. Yeah. It's got that kind of feel for me. I really, really like it. That stars Chloe Levine. You know what else stars ah, Chloe Levine? Ah, segue. Yes, correct. Jen Wexler's The Ranger. That comes to Shudder on the 9th of May. As a Shudder exclusive. Yeah, go check that out. So obviously um, it's a film that uh, we have a bit of a connection to because uh, two of our guests um, have worked on it. Uh, Jen, who directed, Jen Wexler. And Heather Buckley. And Heather Buckley. Who produced um, it. Yeah. Really, really interesting film. Uh, well with your time. And yeah, that lands on Shudder, I believe, the world over on the 9th of May. Yeah. Netflix has a couple that I think are worthy of a mention. Um, on the 7th of May, we have Peelers. What? Peelers? Peelers. Yes. The owner of a strip club defends her bar and the buxom babes working there when a mysterious virus turns the customers into bloodthirsty killers. Right, sure. So 7th of May for that one. And on the 8th of May, uh, I haven't seen this, but it's a big deal for some other people, season four of Lucifer. Oh, That's right, okay. Well. Oh, is that moved now from... It's certainly on Netflix now. It's moved from Amazon to Netflix. Yeah, it's coming to Netflix. Interesting, right? Yeah. Okay, because I know it got. I think it got cancelled after the third series on ah, Amazon. Okay. I think maybe so. a Netflix revival job then. Perhaps. Mm, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, that's just about your lot. But some pretty good stuff there if you're uh, planning some viewing this week. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Turn our attentions then to this week's main episode, <laughs> episode fifty-two. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one. I think so. It's a first actually for us. Yeah. Uh, it's the first double guest situation <laughs> uh, which I think is very cool um, we're going to be interested to see how that goes so this week our two guests are the directors of Top Knot Detective the excellent Top Knot Detective 
It's Aaron McCann and Dominic Pierce. Yes. And which film are they talking? Well, I mentioned in the episode that was released on Friday uh, with Jonathan Barkan, uh, at the end of that, that I was extremely excited about the film for this week. And I stand by that. We're okay. going all the way back to 1989. Mm-hmm. Coming off the back of Bad Taste, it's yeah. Peter Jackson's sophomore feature. It's the puppet madness of Meet the Feebles. Meet the Feebles. Well. <laughs> yes. Well, I never. <laughs> well, yes, you will. This Friday, we are talking Meet the Feebles with Adam McCann and Dominic Pierce of Top Not Detective. Yes. So, in the meantime, why not get in touch? We love hearing from you on Facebook and Instagram, Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC, and you can also email stronglanguageviolentscenes at gmail.com. And as you know, there's loads of places that you can listen. I'm actually not going to list them all, because it's just about everywhere. It is basically everywhere at this but point. But I will yeah. give a big shout out to Podbean, because they are our hosts, yep. and our home, mm-hmm. and they do smashing work. Sure do. Um, but what I would ask is that whatever you're listening to us, please give us five stars or a like or a rate, or if you're feeling particularly fruity, give us a review. Yeah, that'd be lovely. That would be, be lovely because it really helps. So we're back Friday. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.